This is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our 24th episode. In this podcast, I ask people what they do when they unroll their yoga mat and tell you a little bit about what's going on on mine. If you have a question for, about your yoga practice or a suggestion for a guest, please email me at rebecca at homebodiesyoga.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at homebodiesyogapodcast. To find out more about each show, please go to our website, homebodiesyoga.com. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if where you're listening, you can't rate and review, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show, and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, so, gosh, this two-week schedule makes it feel like I don't talk to you forever. Um, but let's see. So, well, my practice has been really varied these last few weeks because I was in New Orleans for like three days. Uh, and I just decided before I went to New Orleans that I wasn't going to worry about doing yoga or going for runs or even meditation or pranayama. Uh, and, and that was for a few reasons. One was ever since I talked to Imba, I think that was episode five, Imba Moran, a about her practice and what she sees is like the ability how to keep um a long-term practice going is like this need for flexibility and that like sometimes you have to just kind of allow yourself to fall off the wagon a little bit and not be too rigid in uh your discipline and your practice and that has really stuck with me um, because a lot of the time I'll like say I'm going to practice and I practice once or twice and I stretch out about it and then I end up not practicing and then I feel this like shame about it and it does feel a little bit, you know, like I was talking about this with Holly Bateman last two two episodes ago, in episode 22, you know, it, it can to me feel almost like, you know, disordered eating or a disordered exercise, even though sometimes what I'm talking about is meditation, just because it's like this like obsession and this discipline to do it. Um, so, I, you know, when I decided to go to New Orleans I, or when we were leaving for New Orleans, I just decided like, I'm going to let it go. Like, I'm just going to let everything go and let myself just you know, like the only exercise I did was like walking to delicious restaurants and walking to see old friends and, you know, just like, just be, I guess, <laughs> um, for being cliche or whatever. Uh, so I did that and it was nice. Like, it was really nice to just like, I don't know, like in the morning, just instead of like worrying about sneaking off to meditate, just like laying in bed and like letting my, my son Hudson, like come in and hang out in the morning and not worrying about like squeezing something in while he's napping or whatever. It really made it feel like vacation. And like I could really focus on all of the people I wanted to spend time with in New Orleans and just observing the city. It's such a beautiful city. Um, observing the city, you know, as it was. So then, oh, so yeah. So then, oh, then we, and I was kind of like, oh, and also be good to miss it. And I did. I really missed asana. I really missed meditation, which kind of surprised me because that is not always the case. But I think what really drove home missing meditation was um, on our way home, our flight was late about an hour. So we were at the airport an extra hour. And then, you know, of course, we were on the plane in Hudson. I'm going to keep going because I just can't retake this. So that was... Uh, that was just a doctor's office reminding me of an appointment. Anyway, uh, so we're on the plane, and uh, the last half hour when the plane's landing, Hudson loses his mind. Like, just completely loses his mind. And he wants to stand up. 
and he can unbuckle himself in the seat. So there's like really not much I can do. So I, you know, he's like screaming. I'm like, do you want a snack? Do you want this? Do you want that? Do you want to watch Daniel Tiger? Like, what do you want? And he was just like, he wanted to get down of course like the plane's landing so he can't and he was just screaming and I'm like trying to hold him in my arms and he was like biting me and he's getting so big it was a scene I mean so much so that the flight attendant got on and was like can parents please control their children and I was like I am trying and Evan was seated like across the aisle and he's trying and it was just like a whole mess and I could definitely feel myself like panicking and just kind of like you know losing myself in this kind of stressful moment and I do feel like, you know, if I had been meditating and, you know, at least, you know, doing a little bit of breath practice or like taking care of myself in that way, I definitely would have handled it better, <laughs> you know, because I think once I start panicking, Hudson can sense I'm panicking. And then we kind of like the, the, this energy of like chaos comes back and forth between me and Hudson. And then I don't know, it was just this whole mess. Anyway, we got home safe. And, it, you know, I realized I really did miss my yoga practice. So we've been back a couple of days and it's been so nice to get back into asana and get back into uh, meditation and pranayama and all that stuff I do to make myself less crazy. <laughs> uh, but I, I have been doing something that I haven't mentioned, which is I've been lifting more weights, like maybe twice a week. I've been doing these like workouts with eight pound weights at home, free weights, um, and Actually, it's perfect because I always say, like, I want to go to a workout class called Reasonable Exercise because, like, I don't want to, like, lift weights until exhaustion or, or what is it called where you, like, lift them until you can't lift them anymore. Like, I don't I don't really want to go to a boot camp where they yell at you and you, like, you know, basically they're like, work out till you throw up or whatever. Like, I just want, you know, to, like, work all the different muscle groups and, like, maybe listen to some NPR and just, like, you know, keep it chill. <laughs> and that's just my personality. Like, I I don't know. It's just the way I uh, approach any physical movement is, like, I, like, I just prefer it to be, like, more reasonable. Like, I don't, you know, I'd like to exercise a little bit every day than have, like, a really intense exercise situation going on. It's just, I don't know. It's just not, it doesn't appeal to me. Anyway, I finally found this teacher. Her name is Kim Strother. She's on Yoga Glow. And she just teaches reasonable exercise. And it's definitely like, she's like, this is for women, which I don't know. I kind of actually like to, um, yeah, it's just great. So it's like, you know, 20 or 30 minutes and it's these little circuits and you take little breaks between and I get like sweaty enough and I feel sore the next day, but it's never like so intense where I like, I don't know. Cause when it gets really intense, I sort of start hating it. And then I just give up. Like then I don't want to do it at all. Cause it's like, well, you know, if I'm doing this physical movement during my time, which I don't have that much time to myself, then like I should enjoy it. And I really enjoyed these. Um, yeah, I've been really working lately on listening to my body too, like not doing yoga just because I haven't done it for a few days, you know, or like not going for a run because I feel like I have to, but instead like really asking myself what I want. And it's funny how often I have been, my body has been like craving strength training, which I know is good for a woman as you get older, like for bone density and stuff. So it's nice. My body's kind of like, okay, this might be something you need to add into your you know, weekly routine of things you do to take care of yourself. So that's where my practice is. And honestly, enough about me, because I am so excited to welcome Dina Varelis today to Home Bodies. She is a yoga instructor. She runs women's circles. She is a creative writing instructor as well. Um, and I really enjoyed talking to her. She, uh, 
has her hands in a lot of different kind of self-care pots, right? Like she does, you know, she journals a lot and writes a lot and, you know, helps other women express themselves. She runs these women's circles. She teaches yoga. And she's also randomly also, well, not randomly, but she's also a property manager, which I just feel like is another kind of way of caring for uh, the world around her and the people around her as well as herself. So it's really good to talk to her. She has this real uh, sense of just genuine interest in yoga and in the yoga sutras and in um, kind of finding herself. And her journey to finding herself really got more pointed and intense when she was 35, which I just found really interesting because I'm 35. And it feels like such, it does feel like such a good time to like, kind of find yourself again, like born once at, you know, zero, and then to be born again at 35 feels, I don't know, almost necessary to like, kind of go back and scrub through all of the, you know, different things that you've been through and like, kind of start anew. And it really seems like that's what she did. And it was really great to see a person out on the other side, um, and just hear her perspective about all of these, you know, subjects that are so dear to me, and I, and I know dear to you. So here is Dina. Welcome, Dina. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Happy to. Um, so I want to just jump right in uh, and start by talking about what it is that you do. What is your work? Um, so this past year, I've gotten into um, leading creative writing classes for women. Um, I teach two a week and they're in the evening. And then I also started a women's circle um, called The Practice which was one of your um, guests, Michelle Young Long, had um, founded the practice. And I started to, um, I trained with her back in 2018 is when we reconnected. And um, that was on my trajectory before, you know, COVID and shelter in place. And so I had just finished um it was like a five week part of the training certification for the practice in February of 2020. And, um, and then COVID happened and then everything went online. So I jumped right into leading women's circles um, online in the evening with the practice. And then I was also a part of an organization called the Intuitive Writing Project which is a nonprofit organization for women and young, young teens and um, leading classes with them. And we too jumped all online, you know, within a matter of a couple of weeks. And so I started leading a Sunday woman's writing class through that organization. Um, and I also did a couple young teen classes in the summer and then decided to break away and go on my own. And so now I, um, have my own little group and I do Thursday evening writing classes for women and also Sunday. And, um, so that's kind of where I am with my yoga and the leading and the facilitating part. Um, I also have a day job, which is property management that I could say probably has nothing to do with yoga, but it actually does. I mean, there's so many opportunities in there for me to lead and practice, um, in terms of managing and working with people, 
Um, but my soul work feels like it's in these, in these women's circles in leading meditation and yoga. And, um, so it's really a big blessing for me. It's like one of those silver linings, um, of COVID was this opportunity to lead these classes online and then to really see how healing it was for the connection in the community. Cause we were all so separate and to see how that even happened online through zoom, you know, you could sit in your own home, but it was like, you're in a circle. And when people started to share or open up how you could sense and feel that community and that connection that was happening through whether it be someone's story, what was going on with them or their writing and their writing process. And just by showing up and being vulnerable and speaking what was real for them in that moment. Um, so that's like, that was the foundation I think of, of these classes. And it's just been so inspiring that I'm continuing like what's next and how I'm going to continue to expand these classes and keep offering them to women. It was very clear to me when I would be in these classes that this was the work that I was intended to do in this moment, at least Um, it felt really real and it felt very healing, not only for me, but for the community and for the women during this time. But, you know, also I got into both of these modalities before COVID. So just knowing how healing they were for me in that time, um, it really just kind of blew up during this past year because people were so longing for that connection and that community. Have you always been interested in writing? Has that always been a passion of yours? Um, It became clear to me that it was more of a passion probably around, I want to say 2016. Um, I always kept a diary and a journal growing up and I still have those. And so writing was always a way for me to um, either disconnect or connect. You know, I think as a young girl, it was a way of disconnecting because it was, I was trying to get out of whatever situation I was in and focusing on putting it down in words, whatever the emotions were. Um, And then something started to shift, you know, when I got more into yoga and more into my own healing journey, I started, um, I had a journal and I would go back and read the journal maybe six months after I'd written And I was like, wow, I wrote that. Like, um, it was this very healing journey of almost like not self-help what I was seeing in there, but this wisdom that either would come from me or from one of my teachers or from what I was studying and, you know, rewriting it and reflecting on something and then being like, wow, I have this capability within me to to remember, you know, let's say that I'm enough, that I'm worthy, that I'm feeling this, but I'll be okay. And to work through it, through the process of writing and to see how I would kind of make my way through the other side. And so it was almost, sometimes I was amazed of like, wow, I I wrote this, I can do this. Um, I have um, these ideas in my head that feel real when I'm in the moment writing. And then to go back and reflect maybe when you're 
upset or confused and you can reflect back on something that you've written and you're like, oh, I, I was feeling this at that time. It, it's real. It's possible. I'll feel that way again. Or that, that sense of creativity or inspiration will find its way back, you know, through my heart or, um, you know, in, in the process of this, of this journey. And so when that became a little bit more clear and I got deeper into, into self-healing, I, you know, I'd been in um, a yoga philosophy group with one of my teachers now off and on um, since I think 2015. Um, and one of the things that she had asked us around a new year's, like a new, not, she didn't call it a new year's resolution, but more of like, what's a new year's aspiration that you have um, that you can declare out loud um, and be held accountable for, you know, with the group of this women and with her facilitating. And so something inside of me was like, well, I want to be a published writer. And I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that I wanted to do more writing that wasn't just in a journal. And um, a woman in the class at that time was knew this woman who had founded the intuitive writing project. Um, and she said, I think you'd be interested. She has women's writing classes. And um, I checked her out and sure enough, I was, and I signed up and for about two years, I was a part of that as a woman writing. And um, it was, you know, no more than six of us in a little group. And she'd give us inspiration and we would write for about 30 minutes freely on the prompt. And then we would read it aloud. And, um, you know, for most of my life, I was very shy and very timid and unsure of my voice. And to read out loud what you wrote, you know, was one so vulnerable and so um, uncomfortable, but also very brave and very like rewarding in the fact of um, it's not so scary, especially when you feel like you're in a very held and safe space. And so that really opened up my eyes to um, not only my desire to write, um, but to the desire to share this um this wisdom with other people, you know, I found that when I read and the feedback that I got, but then also listening to other women and what they were sharing and what you can really, the insight that you get from that, the healing that you get, this reminder that you're not alone. And that was when it started for me of like, Hey, this is something that I'm very much interested in, not only as a person, as a writer, but as perhaps then holding that kind of that container for someone else and for another group because of, of what can happen. And, you know, sometimes you don't even realize your own truth and your own wisdom until you write it down. You know, it's like you kind of get through the confusion. It's almost like clearing that lens, right? You, there's, um, you just, you can write for a couple of sentences or maybe you need to write longer, but then you get to like the goal, that nugget in there. And that's really what inspired me to, to want to keep writing and expanding because I felt like there was a part of me that if I can do this journey and what I have helped me heal, I want to share that with other people. And, 
I think writing also was a safer place for me because, you know, you can edit and delete your writing and you're not speaking it out loud per se. And you just can hit send or you can um, post it on a blog or, and it feels a little bit safer though it's very vulnerable, but you're not, for me, I think for, you know, a young, a young girl and even young adult who is unsure of her voice, it was a, it was a modality for me that felt like I can do this because I don't have to speak. I don't have to stand up in front of an audience and I can, I can safely hide this way and, and post and then see what happens. Hmm. That's so, um, that's really inspiring because you went from that to now leading these in which, I mean, you're definitely going to have to speak right when you're the leader. (laughs) Um, that's so, Um, yeah, I can't help but notice you seem really drawn to, and I'm the same, uh, which is why I worked with Michelle as well, but you seem very drawn to groups of women. Uh, (laughs) is there a reason for that? Like, uh, the whole working in different, in these two different groups of, of just women or people identifying as women? Um, that's a great question. Actually, I haven't really deeply reflected on it. And I, I can say what drew me to the practice and then what, uh, what drew me to the writing group was this idea that we can connect with women on a place of equality, of not competition, of um, it can be a very safe and healing space when you're around women, when there's less judgment, when there's less um I guess, you know, that I think what we may have all experienced growing up was, you know, the the drama that can be around girlfriends or the the hurt and the um the feeling of being left out or always trying to compete with someone else because maybe you don't feel like you're good enough or and um I slowly started to realize that when we kind of put that all aside we're like, we're, it's a, there's a sisterhood there. There's this deeper connection. And I feel like the sense of belonging and that really we can do more together when we're in communion that way. Um, We can heal a little bit deeper. We can go to places that we might other not be able to go if we were just doing this work alone. Um, you know, when you sit in a circle and you hear a woman's story, something hits you, something resonates with you of like, oh, you know, maybe that the narrative isn't the same and the characters of the story aren't the same, but there's something about it where you say, oh, I can resonate with that. I can, I understand that, you know, I connect with you with that and I don't feel so alone. And then the other person doesn't feel so alone And then there's a healing that happens in that, you know, it's very, you know, it's sometimes there's no words for it, right? It's very, this, this healing and this magical experience that happens when you connect from this really deep, vulnerable place. And the other woman then reflects back to you, um, your own wisdom, your own sense of worth, um, the sense of belonging, And, you know, I think what, when I look back around 2017, 2018, you know, I was in 
practicing yoga and I was in a yoga community in Walnut Creek um, through Yoga Works. And I you know, loved that community, but there was still something missing. Um, no, I, um, I wasn't married. No, I, I was married, but I had gotten married late. Um, I'm 41 and most of my friends have kids and I have a cat, but he's not, you know, a full-time child. Um, but he, for me in that moment, I, looking back on the time, I, there was something missing. Um, I, what drew me to Michelle um, was this sense of community, was this sense of safety just in women where I felt like I could be myself. And there was always a sense of intimidation around men. And I think that in part, that was because I have two older brothers. And so I always kind of felt more intimidated around them, but also I think just men in general. So this idea of just women holding each other was something that really appealed to me. And, you know, the moment I walked in those doors, I felt at home um, and then experienced the own magic of the practice itself. And then when I also met Elizabeth, who was the founder of the Intuitive Writing Project, and she had this very sweet space. And, you know, even though I didn't know these women at all, there was this really deep sense of connection. Um, there was no intimidation. There was no judgment, at least that I perceived. There wasn't any on my end. And it was just this very open, curious, safe environment. And I realized that a lot can happen in that sense of um, community, in that sense of safety, in that container. Um, so I think it, yeah, it really drew me into this wanting to find my tribe, wanting to find those sisters that lift me up and that I can lift up with them. And that's what I found in both of these communities. Um, and I do have it a little bit with um, this other class that I've been involved in, but there was something different. I can't really quite put my finger on it, but there was something different about this sitting in circle, you know, um, around this beautiful altar in this space, the energy was different and you could just really tap into who you are really and how you're truly feeling. And it was very safe to do so. Yeah, it really is hard to explain the feeling. Actually, the first time I was ever in a community of just women well, I led classes at the practice, but the first time I was in a community of just women that I was a part of, weirdly enough, was uh, in postnatal and prenatal yoga because it's all ladies. Yeah. And there is just a different feeling when it's all women in the room. Um, yeah, you know, I've I've always thought of myself as sort of like the opposite of, uh, you know, women who will be like, oh, I'm just like one of the guys. I'm like, oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm like one of the ladies. <laughs> I am not, I'm not interested in being one of the guys, um, which I think is how we're both probably interested in yoga. Cause it seems like at least in the U S it's definitely more of a women focused um, practice. Um, but I was noticing some parallels in everything that you do in that you uh, lead writing classes of 
of um, women and you lead yoga classes for the practice and also being a property manager, like actually in all of these things, you're sort of a caretaker, right? Like you care for people's minds, you care for their spirits and you care for literally their homes, which I think is a spiritual practice. Honestly, like definitely anyone who has had a home knows that that's the most, you know, one of the most important things for your own security, certainly. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, what do you think it is about your journey through life that has led you to being a caretaker? Hmm. That's a great question. And I really appreciate you saying that about my property management um, role, because sometimes I get so caught up in not seeing the spiritual part in the property management, because I think we tend to limit sometimes what is spiritual and what's not when really everything is spiritual um, in that aspect and there's a potential for, for service and everything. So um, I appreciate that perspective and I'm going to sit with that for a while. And, um, you know, (laughs) being a caretaker, I'm not, I think for me, when I, when I started, I mean, as a young girl, I did, I wanted to have children. Um, and then things had just shifted in my world where it, it wasn't something that um, maybe was an option or that I thought about only because I had gotten married later in life. Um, and then I've had cats my whole life and I have a cat now and he's 15. And I really think that you know, that was when things shifted for me where I had this full responsibility for this one little being and um, on my own, you know, instead of having cats growing up in a family where your, you know, your mom or your dad primarily takes care of them, you know, this was, he was my, my sole care. And that might have started that curiosity around that. Um, I think it was going through my own journey and perhaps I kind of felt alone in a lot of things that I went through as a child um, and a lot of the things that caused me fear and anxiety. And I, it, I you know, it, for whatever reason, maybe I kept it in to myself or there wasn't the, the right healing modalities that were introduced to me. Um, but I felt like there was a turning point in my life before I got married. I think I was about 35 where I realized um, I needed to look within to really do this work and to really heal and not keep looking and sourcing for external things to attach to, to make me feel better or to change my mind, to make me feel worthy And it was when I started to do that and dive even deeper into the philosophy of yoga and into writing and into this sense of sisterhood was I realized that we all have the capacity to to do that work and to change and to grow and to heal. Um, And I think that's what inspired me to want to then share this with other people, because I know that I wasn't alone in that sense. And that we all are people that I've met have struggled with this 
emotion that we can kind of hold up inside of us and we we're not quite sure how to heal or how to um maybe manage not necessarily manage but with the discomfort that we that can come up for us um and it was really what inspired me to then want to support other people in this process because of what had supported me you know i had teachers i had mentors i had groups i had um spiritual text um that held me to then want to dive deeper into this work. And when I realized that it was a hundred percent possible to do this, it was then this idea of like, I don't want to keep this locked up within me. I want to share it. I want to support other women. I want to be the support that maybe I didn't have at a part of my life. And then to be that and witness that for, for others, uh, I think was what really maybe sparked the caretaker part to be of service in that way. You know, even as we're talking, I mean, I babysat as a young girl and I loved just taking care of something of a being of making sure that they were okay. Um, and I think that's where part of my inspiration comes from of this idea that if we're held in a safe container, if we're held in a way we'll, we can have someone support us through story or through connection or through our own insight and our own experience. We can then reflect that back to another being, another woman, and then she can then take what she sees in our story and journey through her own, maybe a little bit deeper and a little bit knowing that she's safer and that she's held and she can do this work because she's more right along side one another on this journey, you know, and holding hands in a way, supporting each other. It's so interesting, actually, but as you're talking, I'm realizing like you, the way you mentioned your own writing was this way of like a container for yourself and to go back and read your own writing. So in a way, I, your writing seems to be a way that you also self-care for yourself, care for yourself. Um, yeah. Um, but I want to go back to you. You were saying uh, my ears peaked when you said 35 was when you started really thinking about this because I just turned 35. Um, what did Was there an event that sort of made you realize you wanted to get more involved in self-care or was it just kind of like, uh, yeah, is there a reason 35 is when things started picking up for you as far as self-care is concerned? Yes. Um you know, there was many events, I think, that got me into this direction and then got me into yoga. But, you know, at the time, I I was probably like I had done teacher training through Yoga Works that, and um, I was teaching yoga like asana um, once a week. And I was in a relationship with a man and we were together about a year and a half and I was head over heels, um, in love, you know, all the things thinking that they're the one. And, you know, I have been in in and out of relationships my whole life. I was in a longer one in my 20s from, I think I was 22 to 29. And then that wasn't working. And 
you know, the voice inside of me decided to say enough and let's go and go on our own. And that's when I went on my own. And um, though I was heavily involved in yoga, practicing four or five days a week, teaching, um, had got a taste of the yoga philosophy and the sutras, um, had a, a very um, profound mentor in my life. There was something that was still missing. I was still looking for love and happiness outside of me. Um, I wasn't fully myself in a way of attaching my self-worth to, to another, to a man, to a relationship. And that was a pattern that I developed probably since I was like 14. Um, so it was deep. And he wanted up breaking up with me and the relationship ended and I was just heartbroken. I hadn't felt that much in despair in a long time. Um, I didn't quite know what to do with myself. And I sought advice of one of my mentors and then another woman at the time. Um, and it was then that I really decided, you know, a number of things, you know, you know, you've heard of like, you attract the energy that perhaps is going on within you, or, you know, if you're unavailable, you'll track that unavailable person or whatever. But for me, it was really this curiosity of like, how can I find that love and that contentment and that peace within me without having it relied on something else outside of me that is inevitably going to change. You know, it's, it's like the world is so uncertain things change all the time. And I wanted to find that peace and stability within no matter what was happening around me, you know, like if this happens again, if I'm in another relationship, can I relate to it differently? Is there a possibility that I won't feel so down in the dumps that I won't feel so alone? Um, and could I find that sense of love and compassion within myself? And that's when things really changed for me where I, you know, I took a intentional break from, from dating. I didn't, you know, that pattern I had was at least in my early thirties. And then even in my late teens, early twenties was one relationship ended, whether it be three or six months or um, or longer, I would just jump back into another one just because I didn't want to feel that pain. I wanted to be, I didn't want to feel that discomfort. Um, and it, it was such an unhealthy pattern for me that it wasn't until the, that one, you know, felt like heartbreak was, can I do this differently? Um, can I find love in a way that's not attached to something else that might go? Um, that might leave. And so that was a, the big turning point, both in my, I think my writing, but also my own healing and sense of really diving deep, like head first, you know, I was kind of take one foot in one foot out with, with yoga and um, kind of feeling a little bit lost. Cause sometimes that path can feel lonely too, when you're trying to you're used to one way of living and then you kind of all of a sudden are open up to this more spiritual connected way of living, but it doesn't necessarily parallel with your old life. And so I felt like I was in that in-between stage and 
I'm like, I'm, I'm going all in, like I have nothing to lose. And what would that look like? And it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me in that, in that moment. And really, um, it really kickstarted everything in my life of terms of uh, how to live with more awareness and intention and what was, what things I could change in my life that supported a more softic way of living, um, a more clear way of living. And things just started to shift and change from there um, in terms of my anxiety and worry. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a forever practice, I think, and a journey, but I could say truthfully that I, in now where I am, I have found that sense of self-love and that worth more now within myself. And I believe that than I, more than I've ever have in my life. And to say that you can love yourself without sounding conceited, I think was something that I had to learn as well because I feel like there was always that that edge of well if you if you kind of proclaim like oh I'm I'm happier I'm I I know that I'm worthy of love or I love where I am or I love myself sometimes at least in my mind that felt like maybe that was a little conceited um, a little too much but. Yeah, I think that was the the main thing in my life that got me into this sense of I'm worthy and I can find that within myself without looking outside of myself for that love. And it's still something that I forget on occasion. And I think it's, like I said, always a forever practice. And it's it's doing this work that reminds me that I'm enough, that that I can love myself no matter the circumstances that are going on or the context that it's always there. It's available. Uh, (laughs) I had a similar experience before I met my husband and he always laughs because I think it was like our second or third date. I don't remember, but I said something to him, like, just so you know, I like really like hanging out by myself. So like, this is fine, but I'd also be fine alone, which is a very funny thing to say on a date, (laughs) but it worked Mm -hmm. somehow. (laughs) He was like, okay, great. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I am so, it's so clear to me that you've studied the yoga sutras from what you're saying, because so much of what you say is just clearly like, um, you've like filtered the wisdom of the yoga sutras into your life and the way you talk. Um, especially when you were talking about like, you know, the world is always changing. Like that's a big part of the sutras. Um, so how did you get interested in the yoga sutras? Like what drew you to them? Um, well, when I first did teacher training and I think that was in 2013, cause I started teaching in 2014. So Um, that was my first insight. I had no idea that it even existed. You know, it was just purely into yoga for asana. And I liked the way that I felt, I did feel calmer. Um, and, but it was a very physical thing for me for a few years. And then, um, you know, my teacher at the time was like, I think you should try teacher training. And I wasn't necessarily sure I wanted to be a teacher because I was still very much shy and insecure in a way of, I'm not a leader, 
to stand up in front of a class and lead someone felt very intimidating. So I was just curious about it in my own own practice. And, you know, um, you know, the um the texts that we're introduced to and that we that were required, I guess required, I mean, um, to read in our in these throughout the the six months or the, you know, however long the training is really just opened my eyes. I had no idea that existed, you know, like I, and there was, I think every other week, I forget if it was like on a Sunday afternoon, because it was a weekend program that I did. The teacher would, we would spend a few hours on the yoga sutras and go over in depth. And so she would share her insight and her thoughts and her translation of the yoga sutras of Patanjali. And when we would sit in discussion around that, I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is like, this is so cool. And, you know, I have a background of when I was like five or six, I had a a seizure and it was precursed by a panic attack. And so for a long majority of my life, even now, but I never knew that I can control my thoughts. I thought my thoughts controlled me. Um, They took over, they self-induced my panic, you know, and then all those thoughts with panic and anxiety then led to either passing out or having a seizure. And this was, you know, went on for up until my twenties, mid twenties actually. Um, And so I had this idea that this was just me. I can't control my thoughts. I had no idea on how to control them. I got a taste in yoga, but no one sat me down and said, Hey, this was the intention around yoga that you have, you have this ability to, to quiet your mind and to thus and try, you know, control your thoughts in a way that they're not controlling you. And so that really opened up my eyes of like, wow, there's another way. Like, and this is what the foundation of yoga is all about, controlling the mind stuff. Like, how do you do this? I want to learn more. Like, I want to be saved, you know, like I was tired of living that way. Um, but I didn't, I thought I felt stuck, you know, with you know, on anti-anxiety medication and in and out of different therapies. And I thought this, this is just the way it is until I met yoga. And I realized it's not the only way. It's not the only path. And um, yeah, I I would say that really changed my life um, head first. And I just got more and more curious, you know, and then teacher training ended and I started teaching and then I think I want to say it was 2014, my my main mentor and teacher in Walnut Creek and Yoga Works created what she called Philosophy Fridays. And um, it's an activate an activated way of philosophy. So it, again, it was a small group. It just happened to be just women. She didn't close it to just women. I think at one point there was a man in there, but um happened to be a small group of women. And then she, you know, went through different, let's say different sutras, but also I guess the overall basis of the yoga sutras and the, um, the different practices that we could do to activate our, our own, um, 
practices with this foundation of the yoga sutras, but more into practical modern day living. And so she defined it and outlined it in a way that was so accessible to me. And I think to the women of the group, you know, it's, I learn better through this way of learning. You know, I can read a text, but not until I can really apply it. And I have someone that can break it down for me even more simply. Um, Then it really starts to ingrain in my own mind. And when I can then put it into practice, then it really gets in there. And then my, my memory, I remember it more. And, um, it was just this very attractive way of learning for me. Um, and that's, you know, what I became to love, you know, and I've, I've read the sutras in whole once, and then now I go back and read it piece by piece. And, you know, my, my mentor, my teacher takes these practices, you know, she, it's not in a way of saying like, you know, this is sutra 1.29 and this is how you, you apply it to life. It's this just way of her explaining it and then putting into practical practices that you just start living it without saying, Oh, well, this is sutra 1.133. You know, it's just something that you start living, but you know that the foundation and the basis came from that. The inspiration came from that. And there's um, this ancient history behind it, this sense of um, wisdom, right? That just, you can feel it when you read it, but also when someone translates it, translates it for you, um, it has this deep sense of reverence and this deep sense of holiness where you just feel connected to to all the teachers all the students that have been practicing and living this way it feels like a big community um and that i would say has had the most impact on my life um and so that's what's inspired me to keep going as a student forever in the way of like always wanting to learn, always wanting to dive in, but also then to want to share this wisdom because in a practical way, because I'm not sure there's a lot of interest always in, in um, perhaps the the philosophy of yoga. I think there's a lot of highlighting of the asana. Um, And I only say that personally, because like I said before, I had no idea that this stuff existed because it wasn't really marketed in a way for me to that to know until I did teacher training and then you know blessed be my teacher do this class of where we meet once a week and really dive into the sutras in a way that I could that was tangible that I could relate to and then I could say hey I want to do this um and it's very accessible to to everyone um in that way in that manner yeah, I am. Um, it's funny you say the mind thing because I remember being like, I did yoga teacher training kind of young. I was probably like 23 or maybe 23, uh, the first training I did. But I remember my mind being blown when the teacher was like, Oh, yeah, um, everything you think isn't true. And I was like, What? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was my book. Yeah, she'll still say like, cause I'm, we took a, a hiatus, you know, during COVID and um, she then, she, I, I think it was 
maybe beginning of summer last year where we, we started doing the philosophy classes. Now they're called Wisdom Wednesday and we meet Wednesday evening. A lot of the core group is still there. And she will say, you know, the mind lies to you. Don't believe it. And it's like, if someone hears that, like fresh off the cuff, they're like, what are you talking about? But which now, you know, like, yeah, the mind lies. It All the time. Stories, <laughs> like, and so the practice of yoga, right, is discerning what's real and what's not, what's true and what's imaginary, what's fear, what's, you know, a pattern of your mind repeating itself. Um, yeah. So, it, and to know that you can kind of discern in that way and be like, I don't need to believe this. And I don't need to believe it so much that I'm going to throw myself into a, a panic attack. Like, you know, and having the tools of the breath of awareness to then bring you back to the moment and realize this isn't true. Yeah. I'm safe. Like I'm going to be okay. And my mind doesn't have to control me in that way. Yeah. Um, well, so you've got all of these sort of different things that you're doing, but what, what is your practice, your daily practice? Like these days, like you go in your room, you unroll your mat, what happens? Um, so my daily practice, I have a, a daily practice in the morning. It's, it's, I have many rituals that I've stacked through time and another silver lining with COVID because I worked hundred percent from home. So I wasn't commuting. Um, and so I had this magnificent morning practice and that includes so many things, but, you know, writing, um, I think, uh, Julia Cameron calls it morning pages. Um, so I do that. Um, and then this past year I took a pranayama class, um, with one of my mentors. And so I incorporate pranayama and sometimes it's 20 minutes um, sometimes it's one and done is what she calls it just to keep nourish the habit of doing the, the practice every day. Um, and then sometimes it's prayer. I also do Vedic chanting. So sometimes it's chanting and then it, I always end it with intention setting for the day. So any aspirational practices that I'm working on, um, I set the intention, you know, like, may I be open? May I be curious? May I see the beauty? Those kinds of things. Um, and then my physical, more asana practices in the, generally in the afternoons, you know, I primarily practice vini yoga. And my I was practicing that twice a week before COVID in the studio with my teacher and then um, again, about six months into COVID, she started offering it online. And so I do that Thursdays live with her in the group. And then she sends the recording. And um, so yesterday morning, I practiced Vini Yoga in the morning. That was my morning ritual. So I, I slot this time for myself and then it's structured, but unstructured. Like I know, I know the things that I'm probably going to do. Um, so it's structured in that way, but I'll, I'll throw in different things of what I'm, what my energy is, what I need. So yesterday morning was Vini yoga. And then I ended it with a seated meditation. Um, and then that was the start of my day. And so I do that practice generally about three days a week. And then on Sunday mornings, 
I'll do my own asana practice, whatever I'm feeling, whatever could be 20 minutes. It could be an hour. Um, If I'm not up for leading it myself, I'll watch a video from one of a a teacher that I admire. Um, And I always make time again, like I said, either it's one breath or six just to sit or to stand and just do conscious breathing. So those are like my physical practices that I incorporate every day. Um, With COVID, I noticed that not, I used to practice asana, like the Vini yoga was twice a week. And then I also did um, yoga two, um, twice a week as well, like a a level one, two type of Hatha yoga flow. And um, that just shifted for me with COVID. Now it's more um, restorative. It's definitely, um, I just, I'm more drawn to the slower stillness part of the practice. Um, But I do love like the energizing and um, sun salutations and uh, the flow. So I, I, I do do that about once a week on average and usually on Sunday mornings. Mornings are like my little time. It's like my own church in this home because it's my husband's still sleeping my cat's quiet and it's just this really magical time to drop into what is most important for me. And it's these practices that hold me steady. It's really the foundation of my day to day. It's, you know, I think self-care can sometimes get a bad rap um, in terms of maybe feeling um, self-indulgent or feeling, um, like maybe it's like a pedicure or, you know, something I think that it just, it's this buzzword in a way now that unfortunately I think can have a misconception in terms of, you know, it's a night out with the girls or whatever it can mean, but it's really deeper than that. It's for me, it's, it really, supports my most authentic self. It supports my yoga practice in a way where I can be open. I can be curious. I can be clear. I can be stable. I can be present. I can connect on a much more richer, richer level than say, if I didn't have these practices, um, because it leads me back to, again, going back to the yoga sutras, like that sattvic feeling, right? It, to me, it's just building this sense of clarity, the sense of stability and resilience that we all have the capacity to build, but it's through these self-care practices, through my yoga practice, through meditation and writing and pranayama and chanting or vinyoga yoga that really just blend well together. It's like this whole recipe that makes me the best version of myself day to day that I can then lead a life that's full of so much more beauty and so much more richness and joy. And it's not to say that the pain and the sadness and the grief isn't there, but it's now it's in a way that those emotions, those feelings don't suffocate me. They're not, they don't hold me hostage. I can move through them with more grace because of all these things that I have 
you know, like my toolbox, the things that I can pull and use daily to help support that. And it's, you know, personally, you probably experience as well. And some days you have more time than others. You know, sometimes you have five minutes, some days it feels like the day gets away with you and you haven't done anything, but it's through the consistency, the daily practices, whether it's five minutes or an hour, if you do them consistent every day, it, it leads to more and more change, more and more stability. So it's not about having to do an hour every day, which is what I got caught up in for so long. Um, you know, I feel like I'm just now finding freedom in my self-care practices where I can say, okay, I have 20 minutes this morning or my husband got up early, my cat's interrupting me. I'm going to do three conscious breaths and that's it. I'm going to write one sentence, one word for my intention and that's it. Or then some days it's a nice morning practice followed by a nice evening mini yoga. You know, it's like it could be like three or four hours of this luxurious self-care and it just depends on on the day and what I have going on. And, um, but I, one thing that my teacher has always said and what stuck with me was to do, you know, to look at the outline of your day and, you know, what is most meaningful to you? And if you can to do that first thing in the morning, cause it's, if it's a priority, you'll, you'll do it. And then also for me, I think also, then the day doesn't get away from me and I've done it and I've set the tone for the day. And it's really quite cool. You know, I've, I've done this intention setting for probably eight months consistently where I'll, I'll write maybe a paragraph or like I said, maybe a word or a sentence. And then sometimes the next day I'll go back and see how, you know, how reflect in retrospect, how did my day pan out compared to what I wrote down of my intentions. And some days it's like, magic. Like, it's like, wow, all the things that I wanted to happen or to do happened. Um, you know, so I think that's the cool thing about the universe. You know, it's this, this prayer, this maybe intentional, um, prayer that you set. I would love my day to go this way. And I, it's also, I think planting that seed of intention that then unconsciously starts to unravel itself as your day starts to go. And you find that you are more present, you are more open. You, you know, in some days it's, I hope I get this, you know, um, I have like a weekly newsletter, so I hope I get my newsletter done. Like I'll sit, some days it's, you know, as masculine as that is like, I, I want to get my, this done today. That's my intention. Or some days it's just be open to the beauty, be curious, um, connect. And then I'll look back and I'm like, wow, that happened. Well, it's, it's very cool how, when we set those intentions with sincerity, even with our daily practices, how it starts to unravel and unfold throughout our days and how it supports us. And that's one of the reasons why I keep going. It's just, it's, it's my rock. It's what keeps me um, centered yeah, yoga works. It's like incredible. <laughs> I like keep I keep forgetting. I forget all the time and then I remember again. I'm like, "All oh, right, it works." Like it just works. Like yes. every time it works. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. And like you said, we do. We we tend to forget. We get we forget on those caught up days or those really 
deeply emotional times when we just feel like we can't get out and then we give ourselves some space and we're like, yeah, yoga works. Um, well, I think that is a note that I'd like to end on because it's a yoga podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I know that people are going to be interested in finding out more about you. So where can they find you? Yeah. So right now I have a website. It's, uh, com, And it was my first website that I started. It's a blog, uh, website. Um, and I'm currently in the process of updating it to include my classes. There is an about me page that has briefly touched on, uh, my writing classes and the practice. And, uh, like I said, probably be more information up there in terms of um, the classes and my offerings and my story within the next three to four months because I'm in that that process of um, I hired someone to help me so that was a big step for me too so I'm excited that that's down the line but if you go to that website you'll see all the blogs that I've written um, in the last three years I think I've had it up or four I think I had it up in 2017. Um, and then also I do have a weekly newsletter that, um, people can sign up on the website or also just reach out to me personally through email. And I can, I can, if you're interested to learn more, I can sign you up on the newsletter. And also I love to do these like quick 10 to 15 minute, either video chats or over the phone chats about my classes to see if people, if it's the right fit for them to learn a little bit more. So very open to, um, you know, a woman just emailing me and letting me know she's interested. And then we can set up a quick phone chat and um, answer any questions. And I can explain a little bit more in depth of what the offerings are and what they entail. Um, So I could, um, give you my email address or if you, uh, I know you put it in the notes. So whatever's easier as well for your listeners. Yeah, sure. We'll put uh, the email, your email and your website just all in the show notes so people can get in contact. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. Yeah. It's been really fun. I can talk about this stuff for hours. So it's, (laughs) it's always fun to do, have these conversations with people and uh, to spread the love you know, that yoga works. Yeah. Accessible, you know, it's very accessible. You don't have to be consider yourself spiritual or um, a yogi. It's something that you can do every day. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dina. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. You too. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Dina and you can find all of her info on in the show notes. So check them out uh, so you can check out her website or her classes. Sounds great. I think it's so nice that she's willing to have a conversation with you about what it is that you're interested in and and whether or not she can help. So yeah, schedule a call with her. Uh, So Things are a little bit different because I finished the Yamas and the Niyamas um, and we are moving on. 
And I'm thinking next I'm going to do parts of the Bhagavad Gita, which is just another classic yoga text, which I also find really inspiring. But I wanted to see if there's anything you're interested in talking about, because I would really love that. Um, another idea I have is to teach parts of just teach a different sun salute at the end of every class of every podcast, like a little 10 or 15 minute sun salute so that you could have that kind of in your back pocket if you're especially if you're listening on your phone. Um, yeah, so maybe let me know what you think. I'll ask on social media too. And then next week, it's um, episode 25. So I was thinking every 25th episode, so first one is now, uh, is next week, is I'm going to just kind of go through things I've learned from guests and what's still sticking with my routine. So it's kind of like almost a recap, except I'm not going to go through and talk, I, you know, I won't have time to go through and talk about each show, each episode and like what I learned, although I have learned from all of them, but just kind of the things that have stuck with me and that are like a still a part of the fabric of my day or of my week or of my life now. So um, I'm pretty excited. I think it's going to be really fun. It is just going to be me, though, for a long time. So that's a lot of Rebecca time. So I just want you to be mentally prepared. And yeah, if you're thinking about something you'd like me to talk about, the little gaps at the end of each episode, hit me up, uh, Rebecca at homebodiesyoga.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Homebodies Yoga Podcast, or, you know, you can uh, send me a telegram um, email for my address. Okay. Well, enjoy your practice. Talk soon. Bye.